There is enough in this world for you and for me. If God wants you to have a crown, it doesn't matter who else gets one. You can have yours. But if I may, I want to speak to church people just a minute. I want to speak to anyone who's listening to me today says, I'm curious what all this is. You're talking about bride and groom and kings and queens. I want to remind you about this today. God will gladly give you a crown to rest on your head. But don't you forget the reason that he gave it to you. Hear me, because every crown serves a cause. Crowns become despicable when the one who wears them forgets the reason that they were given the crown to begin with. Saul started out in a ball of fire doing a great job, but he forgot who it was that gave him the crown. He forgot that it was the people that crown was supposed to be serving and not himself. He forgot that to be a king, you have to be full of courage and selflessness and humility and allowed himself to be filled with pride. And it wasn't long before God rejected him. He said through the prophet Samuel, I have regretted that I even made Saul king to begin with. I want to speak to some people in this room today. You may have your crown. Don't you forget the God who gave it to you. Don't forget the people who supported you when you were trying to get your come up. Oh, don't forget the people who taught you and instructed you. Don't you forget that your crown is not so your house can be tall and your car can be long. That crown that God gave you is to serve a cause. As citizens of a nation... We begin to despise the government that is supposed to serve us when or if we start to believe that they're more about themselves than they are about us. Why? Because crowns are to serve a cause. I personally believe this, that this is something that the Lord wants to say not just to this church, but His church. He will crown us with prosperity. He will crown us with talent, with beauty and expression. May I be so bold. He will crown us with riches. But don't forget that that crown is to serve a cause. When my faith becomes selfish... When my faith becomes selfish and God's house becomes more about me getting my blessing than me giving my life away, I'm starting to surrender the cause for which he gave me the crown. Now, I'm so proud of this particular congregation. I wager that we've done fairly well. I believe the Lord is asking us to continue to do better. The Lord will give a church a place of authority and influence in its city as long as that church remembers we are here to serve and to love and to help guide the way for our city rather than condemn it and point our finger at it. I think sometimes the reason why churches don't have more influence in our big government is because we'd rather throw rocks at it and point our finger at it rather than say, let me love it, let me teach it, let me educate it, let me support it, and let me believe in it. So what we need to do right here in Oklahoma City, I'm not going to Washington, D.C., even though I was really, really close last week. 
I'm going to say right here in Oklahoma City, what do we need to do? Rather than point our finger at our governor and condemn him, rather than talk about and perpetuate all the rumor and nasty about our mayor and elected officials, what do we need to do? The Apostle Paul says, pray for your officials and support them. Pray that you can live a peaceable and just life. And so when you read that nasty headline, what do you need to do? Don't get on Twitter and, or X or whatever it is now. Don't get on there and retweet about how nasty they are. Go into your prayer closet and say, Lord, I pray that you will bring uh, truth to those offices. I pray that you will bring conviction to those offices and repentance to those offices because, Lord, we want to live in a land of peace and prosperity and justice. Lord, help us. Lord, help me. And you never know. Uh, You never know how far your prayer will go. Oh, and you may say, well, I'm just a little old granny. God listens to little old grannies the same way he listens to governors and generals and presidents. Don't you ever discount the power of your prayers. Because our crowns serve a cause. Now, Esther did two things really well that we would do well to emulate. She had two particular voices in her life that are responsible for her rise to authority. The first was a man named Shash. It's really hard for me to pronounce. Shash Gaz. What a name. Shash Gaz. Who was that? He was the king's man who's in charge of the harem. He was in charge of teaching Esther, okay, you're beautiful, but we need to teach you how to stand like a queen, look like a queen, speak like a queen, so that when we put you in the room with Xerxes, you don't embarrass yourself, and you especially don't embarrass him. You're going to be representing an entire nation. Let me teach you how to be a queen. And so he oversaw a chunk of her process. And so I want to point this out about Shasgaz is that he was a teacher. Look at your neighbor and say, teacher, you need teachers in your life. You need teachers in your life because guess what? Mom and daddy can love you, but if mom and daddy have never been CEOs, they may not be able to teach you how to be an effective CEO. You need teachers in your life. My mama loved me, but she couldn't teach me math the way my math teacher could teach me. I needed teachers in my life, but pay very close attention here. Teachers give us skill. They give us skills, and they take responsibility for our success. And so a good teacher in school does what? They may have a third grader sitting before them who he may be a little third grade boy and he's a bit rambunctious and all he cares about is football, but a teacher looks at that third grade boy and says, no, I want you, little Jimmy, to be a success in life and so I'm gonna teach you how to read and how to write and the fundamentals of learning and education so that you can be a success. That's a good teacher, amen? Thank you, Lord, for good teachers. The other type of relationship that Esther had in her life was with a man named Mordecai, who was her uncle, her father's brother, we presume, that raised her. So Shasgaz was a teacher, but Mordecai was a father. Shasgaz was a teacher, Mordecai was a father. So teachers give you skill, but fathers watch for your soul. See, just maybe really, really help somebody right there. Just because somebody gives you skill 
doesn't mean that they're watching for your soul. A teacher takes responsibility for your success. They want a good teacher wants you to succeed. But a father takes responsibility for you. I want to say something very, very boldly. You might be the best at what you do. But who are you after you win the world? Who are you after you win the world? You need teachers. You need skills. He's called you to be a king and a queen. Find people who can help you and equip you, give you the information, skills that you need to be who God has made you to be, to do the things that he has called you to do. Go after it with a whole heart. But you had better find a father who they don't care how high you fly. They care about the security of your soul. Our spiritual father taught us this, that you had better always have somebody in your life that's not impressed with you. The scripture says about Esther that she, and she won favor with all that she had interaction with. In other words, she did such a good job, everybody loved her. Mordecai said, I don't care how much glitter is on that crown that they put on your head. I care about you. I care about the course of your soul and the destiny that God has ascribed to you. I care more about you than I do about the king and the crown and oh shashy gas. I care way more about you, Esther, than I do any of that because I loved you when you was a pauper on the street and I loved you when you were a prince in the kingdom. That is good preaching. You say, well, you know, is that just fancy alliteration? No, it's not. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, you have many teachers, but few fathers. Why am I saying these things to us? Because I believe one of the things that God wants to do in his church, we have many teachers. We are the best at church than we have ever been. But being a young pastor who I've had the privilege of knowing two great men who have been like fathers to me and I've lost one of them. Here's what I can say is that we have many teachers. If I want a church growth program, I can find them. If I want to figure out how to do better media, I can find somebody to teach me. If I want to learn more about church business, I can find somebody to teach me. But where are the men and the women who will be spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers that they don't care how high I fly, they care about the course of my soul? I need somebody to hear me in here today. Fathers and mothers will begin to emerge when Queen Esther start to listen to mothers and fathers and we start to pray about what they tell us and we start to celebrate that Mordecai, you may have never even been in the palace, but you can guide my soul. When you start to honor and celebrate the gifts that God has placed in your life, you'll find mothers and fathers starts to step out and they start to speak up. Teachers will show you how to be a queen. But fathers will help you find out why God called you to be a queen.